2: Trumbo, Meet the Patels, The Martian, and more. Over in the bookstore on Saturday, January 16th at 10.30 in the morning, Megan Mazurik reads from her new book, Hector and Joan, which appears to be a children's book. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca.
0: season of long winter continues with volume three at the Great Hall in Toronto on Saturday, January 16th, 2016. This edition features music by Valens, Loom, Mystic Triangle, Nicole Dallenganger, Michelle McAdory, Indoor Voices, Juge, Stuka, Pantano, Cora, Strands, Kiwi Jr., Young Bambi, The Seams, Bossy, and Overnight. And art performance installation and dance by the likes of Zoo Owl, Brett Zadrevets, Tiffany Schofield, and Dorica Manuel, Marbella and Carlos, Lisa Cristinzo, Sarah Friend and Far. Vetch, Ben Camino, Jason Dole, Damian Lebedeski, Paloma Dawkins, and Spencer Butt. Down in the black box, attend a 9pm taping of an episode of the talk show, Long Night with Vishkana, Khanna, with special guests Tom Power from CBC Radio, musician Michelle makadori the new supergroup, Tunes, and comedy by Deadpan PowerPoint, plus the Long Winter Arcade, curated by the Hand Eye Society. Long Winter Year 4, Volume 3 is all ages and pay what you can at the door with $10 advance tickets available online. The Great Hall is not a wheelchair accessible venue, located at 1087 Queen Street West. Come out Saturday, January 16th at 7 p.m. and visit TorontoLongWinter.com for more details. Creative Control with Vish Comic
2: You're listening to episode 234 of Creative Control. I am Vish, the host of the show. And on this episode, an interview with Michelle McAdory. Michelle McAdory is a gifted and iconic Canadian singer, songwriter, and musician based in Toronto. She's well known for her role as the lead vocalist in a band that existed in the 90s called Crash Vegas. And since that band uh, broke up, McAdory has cultivated an intriguing solo discography... It's a, The records are kind of few and far between, but every time she put out one, they were great. And it's been like a decade since her last record. But she's got a new one. It's a lovely collection of folk-oriented rock called Into Her Future. It's out now via the DWR label. And she's been playing shows in support of it, including an upcoming appearance at Long Winter on Saturday, January 16th at the Great Hall in Toronto. Michelle and I met at a place called CSI in Toronto uh, in the early weeks of December. It might have been the first week of December. It was pretty early in December. And we had an interesting conversation about her experiences in the music business, uh, motherhood, um, motherhood and work. And we, I mean, we, we, it was good. It was, it was It was a nice, uplifting, inspiring conversation, I thought. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to share it with you now. So this is myself and Michelle Macadore. You're going to hear songs from her record into her future, and uh, and people doing weird things at the. Sea. It was a kind of there was an event going on. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. So here it is, myself, Michelle Macador. we exactly? I don't know what you've brought me to here in Toronto. I've been to Toronto many times. I consider it my second home in some ways, but I don't know what this is. Where are we?
3: I'm not even sure where we are, Vish. Um, <laughs> it says over there on a massive chalkboard, the CSI holiday pop-up market and social.
2: Yeah, that's what it says. And this is obviously... It's a pop-up, so it's unusual. This is just something that... exactly.
3: Normally, this is a sleepy little hideout place. And I said, yeah, I'll meet Vish there, and then look what happened.
2: (laughs) What is it normally? What is this space?
3: Um, It's a cafe, and... I guess I mean they have different little rooms that you can see. Yeah. Um, that you could uh, rent for a period of time to have meetings. I'm sure that they hold different kinds of workshops. You know, eh, but I've never truly investigated and the CSI, what happens
2: here. CSI stands for not crime scene investigation. What does it stand? I know. For? I
3: always thought that's <laughs> what just, it
2: was about. It's, it's weird when you invited me to a crime I'm scene. I am a Exactly. <laughs> Too much TV, right? It's Center for Social Innovation. Did I get that right? Yes. Do you know what they do here? I don't. Social. They innovate socially.
3: I hope they're doing something good. I hope it's not a cult.
2: The pop-up culture is interesting. That's like a relatively, at least from my perspective, a new phenomenon.
3: It is. I agree. Pop-up stores, pop-up this, that.
2: Does it not speak to how expensive it is to have a business i think so people are just like i have stuff i'm just going to show up and then i'll be gone it's like a fleeting thing i don't know
3: i think so i think it's exactly that and maybe i i wonder too if it's just a further extension of the ever uh, shortening attention span
2: you know they say that (laughs) they say that our attention spans are shortening but then you know Think of this, the thing we're doing, the rise yeah, but in We're
3: from a whole other time. <laughs> Look at us. No, no,
2: no. These are very popular. <laughs> these are very popular. <laughs> these like long form conversations, long form articles and pieces. They everyone says we have a short attention span. I don't think we do. You I don't. think there's a hunger for hmm. substance actually.
3: I think the I think there may be a hunger, but I think that the uh, our attention spans have been shortening and hmm. I mean funny you're bringing this up just it makes me think of the future and you know people talk about how we'll be in flying cars i yeah. actually think the horse
2: is going to return really yeah because of the uh, reliance slow on fuel and, yes. and yeah.
3: slow artisanal yeah. everything huh. you know we're going to go back to down. wagons and Slays Isn't that what it's like In Guelph sometimes No No It's, it's not, not even in the <laughs> Like holiday really? season
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw a horse In Guelph once right. Maybe twice right. I mean it's an agrarian Kind of town It's a agrarian yes. university But yes. No it's not that It's not We're not I mean I guess I shouldn't even laugh That's not fun. I wish I. Maybe it would be better there are more horses. I think so. Like less cars, more horses. Yes. That's what you long for. Where are you from exactly? Where are you from originally? <laughs> I don't curious. even
3: know. <laughs> Scarborough.
2: You're from Scarborough. In,
3: well, no, I'm not really. I was.
2: I think I was born in Scarborough. You think? You don't remember?
3: I was adopted. Oh. And so that's what the hmm. papers say. Okay. And so, um, but I grew up in the east end of Toronto in the beach okay, area. Okay, in the beaches, yeah. Yeah. Before it became uh a sort of more fancy neighborhood is it, it was, the beaches it, fancy now it is pretty fancy oh i didn't know that yeah uh it was it was a place i think that was sort of low income middle income kind of place hmm. always pretty waspy yeah right um but wait I mean,
2: compared to like other parts of toronto or just compared to everything
3: well, no, I'm comparing to Toronto. <laughs> Toronto
2: is not known for being particularly waspy. People like to no. talk about how multicultural it is.
3: Yeah, they do, and I think in many ways that is true. Yeah. Uh, but the beaches, I'd say, pretty waspy.
2: Pretty waspy, okay. Yeah. Was it a good upbringing?
3: Um, huh, sure. I mean, there was lots of hippies around <laughs> Right. at that time. Uh, I was a kid, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the great thing about growing up there for a period of time, I didn't spend all my youth there, but to just... We, the beach, the shore, the Lake Ontario, you have incredible access to the lake mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in the far east of the city.
2: Before it was kind of polluted and not always... Was I don't even swimming? know.
3: I was swimming in it forever. Well, it probably was polluted. And the boardwalk, I was fine. I never yeah. picked up anything strange. And uh, I loved it. I mean, just waking up i lived right on the water too so i became accustomed to waking up and hearing smelling seeing the lake yeah and uh big
2: part of your personality really <laughs> that that that's that lake air probably is unlike anything
3: yeah the lake water is powerful to, yeah. to live on water is really really powerful i miss that actually in fact being in this city now, um, I like exploring different areas, but I don't want to ever go too far north because I, I feel that I can't, I'm, I'm, you know, too far from the lake.
2: Right. Good. The, the further, the, the lake is south, you don't want to be, you're right. connected to the, you're like a mermaid or something that like you Thank need to you. be.
3: Thank you. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> it's the first time <laughs> I think I've been, maybe the second time. No. You,
2: <laughs> you. That's Was your upbringing a good one? You were adopted. That's interesting. Yes. Was that, was that, people have different experiences sure, being adopted? Sure. What was your experience? No, like? I was very lucky.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No,
2: good, good people.
3: <laughs> I was taken in by good people. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just been one of those things that I guess I've always known. Um, but I think I was really lucky. It's been interesting uh, because I have some good musician friends who have also been adopted, and it's been funny to share those stories amongst ourselves. And, uh, there was a point w- with in Canada where they opened up what is called the um, disclosure. Oh, thank you.
2: That looks delicious. Thank <laughs> He's you very just much. just getting a sandwich. I a sandwich. Thank you. Yeah, a sandwich. Look it's at lovely. that. Lovely. <laughs> Yummy. Um, it's always a challenge when I order food on this show of what, hand food because <laughs> I got to eat this with my hands and talk to you at the same time. <laughs> so I'm going to ask like really long questions and hopes that oh, you, yeah. you answer a long time <laughs> while I'm chewing and digesting my food. It's a it's a little rude, but I'm hungry. That's we're, all right. We're at this. I mean, is it normally food? There's normally food at this thing. I think thing. so. Yeah. Yeah. You don't come here that often. You no. Just, why did you pick this place? I don't get it.
3: Because I released a record. <laughs> I just needed a place.
2: No. You wanted to, but you've, you've come here no, sometimes. I,
3: I have come here on occasion. Um, really, it's just because it hasn't been too busy, and it's, it's very spacious. You no, can no, imagine nice. it without a market yeah. um, inside that it, it's spacious, so it allows you to kind of find your own little spot. And um, I'm
2: surprised you didn't pick a place near the lake. That would have been interesting. Well,
3: I might have if I'd now that we're talking about it I, because that would be beautiful. <laughs> uh, but I needed to be a little closer to some errands that I have to yeah, run. Yeah, you got to do some stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I have to get out of town. But um, back to the adoption thing. Yes. Just that in Canada, I can't remember now when that was a decade or more, a couple decades ago, what a little about? less than that. They they opened up the adoption the adoption register it's always been this thing that was kind of cloaked in secrecy silence you know the bastard
2: children right um, game of thrones
3: game of thrones
2: sorry i don't want to t- no. you and i were texting about game of thrones the other day we we're talking yeah, about it i know and i don't like the show but i can't stop watching it yeah secretly bastards so, yeah and there's a lot of for people who don't know the show there's a lot of talk of bastards
3: yeah yeah
2: John Snow and all the bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John
3: Snow. That's right. <laughs> um, anyways, they they opened up this register, and suddenly we had access to more information than we ever did. So a couple of friends sort of dared each other. Are you going to put your name in? Oh, I will if you do. Okay, I will. You mean
2: to find out your background? You
3: would get more information, non-identifying information, and then you could put in a request to meet. You know your birth parent or parents if you desired to wow but that'll have to be another show we do
2: (laughs) did you you don't want to talk about did you do it no no
3: I did I did did you meet them I met uh, my birth mother what was that like
2: I can't even imagine heavy yeah yeah how long ago was this heavy
3: Uh, this was maybe 14 years ago or something oh it was a while ago oh okay wow
2: and do you remain in any kind of contact
3: not too much no no
2: it's sort of a strange I can't even imagine it. I mean I'm a yeah. father. Do you have kids? I do. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I do. So I have a child.
2: You have one child. I've I have a couple of kids now. What does how old is your child? Twelve. Twelve. So this meeting of with your biological mother occurred before you had your Yes. Do you think about this aspect of your life? The fact that your mother for whatever reason had to give you up and that you're raising a child? I mean do oh you Oh my
3: God. It's so, of course, and but it's it's such a complex, layered um, subject, and it's it's been with me forever in many ways. But I'll tell you, one of the most amazing things has been becoming a mother. Um, There's things I found out, learned upon having a child, and in my way of parenting, you know, that have helped heal. I don't know, just. It's interesting how uh how being a mother has been a very wonderful and um Yeah, how it connects to all of that. I'm sorry I became it was almost like a blank. It's it's sometimes hard to find no, the right no, no. words to articulate I can't even all of imagine this. It. Yeah. And I, I certainly, you know, does anyone really want to hear about all this? I mean I'm sure I, it's I, interesting I, to people Absolutely who Especially people who are adopted. I, I mean, a couple of my friends, and we were all women. The women I knew, we all had very similar experiences. Where one man, friend who was adopted, uh, his was very different. And. Um,
2: you mean the experience of being adopted and, and
3: finding and finally having contact with your birth parent, parent or parents, yeah, yeah. whatever the situation was. But uh, yeah, it's. It's a complex thing, mired in so much, uh, I mean, the context, the time at which people, women primarily, would be giving their children up for adoption. Why? Um, Well,
2: there's the psychological, in terms of trying to find your birth parent, there's the psychological impact on the child of recognizing that they were given up by someone and taken in by another, hopefully. But then to have that meeting... Yes, and then deal with, sort of confront the psychology of someone who was in a state where they felt they had to give up a child. I mean, the heaviness on both sides, I can't even fathom.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I can't either, you know. It's still, there's so many reasons why people sure. do it. I mean, you hear someone like Joni Mitchell talk about having yeah. given up her child for adoption. Patty Smith yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, and then... I mean the reasons are as varied as there are women who get pregnant and contemplate, you know, and I think it seems it seems to be or or there's a certain era to um, I think that provides a context for which women were maybe not as free to consider having a child and be a single right. woman, right. you know, mother. Right. Um, there was so much stigma attached with that, um, whereas and, there's hmm. not as much now, I don't think.
2: Well, you pointed out some artistic people, yes. Patty and Joni, and, yes. and I think for some artists, the idea of being tied down, more yes. to something or someone, yes, very devastating to the artistic yes. practice. I mean, yes. I know that Patty, when she decided to have a family with Fred Sonic Smith, had basically retired. Like she was making music and doing poetry and doing stuff, but she re- retired from public life, mm-hmm. from public performance, and recognized that that was something that had to be done for the sake of her family. But yeah, I mean, it's heavy. Like I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know how people. I, I mean, I do know. I'm going through it now with my wife. Like we're balancing our careers or whatever, our yes. fam- our work, yes. with our family and it's being it's been a bit difficult.
3: Yeah. to do it. Yeah. And we had talked a little bit about this from a different angle when we were speaking before just yeah. in terms of like what is it like to tour or do things. And yeah. I wonder too about, you know, is there a bias against people with families? We I often hear about it with women, right? Mm-hmm. But I think for men too and yeah. just the idea that you know, does our culture have a kind of bias against um People who have children, is our culture a bit ageist? And
2: I think it is. I think, uh, particularly if you're working with other people to support you. I, we, yes. I had a meeting once. It was in a band, and we had a meeting with a label, and they were taking notes, but as soon as they realized that our singer and yes. songwriter was about to have a kid, pen went down. Right. They just put it down, and I was like, oh, that's terrible. That—that's. Yes. That's, I mean, they were just like, are you guys going to tour? Are you going to put go all in? And they were like, yeah. We were like, yeah, we'll do what we can. And like, obviously, we have... Some of us have day jobs and things like that. But as soon as he mentioned he was about to have a kid, done. And yes. there is a bias, absolutely. Yes. I mean, you, you're you in an interesting position because you have gone a long time between records. People recognize How long has it been since your last record?
3: Um, about a decade, just over a decade.
2: Right, 10 years. And so... That's an, I've been having this conversation with artists a lot lately about the notion that the public perception that an artistic impulse is turned off. This idea that for 10 years, if the public would be like, oh, she just didn't do anything. Yes. We didn't get something, so she just not, must not have been doing anything. Right, right. But my argument has been with some people that no, that if you make stuff, yes. whatever you make, yes. as long as you have the means to make it, you just keep making it. You may not share it all, but you keep making it, or you f- you have the impulse. You write things down, whatever, depending on your practice. What has that ten years been like for you? Like, what were you doing in those ten years? Were you constantly making stuff, or were you were you kind of resigned to not doing stuff?
3: Um, I'd say definitely making stuff. Was it constant? I think um, I had a record. The last record I had made, I was pregnant, and it came out after I had my child and then I was getting offers to go and tour, and um, I remember, you know, it was like this sort of crossroads. Oh, and they were interesting offers to tour, things i you know, yes. I realized like, oh, this is a good, this would be good to do, but I also had never been a mother, and um, it was profound to me, and I knew that this was important mm-hmm. for me to do. So I said no. Um, And so those first early years, it was very much about just being a mother and figuring out how to cope with tired. But actually, music was really important to me at that time to listen to to and to be making things in the air, singing. So it sort of just kept going. And then as um, my son got older, yeah, I just felt like I had more time and I just kept trying to find more time to write more and started recording started making little recordings um doing the odd show and uh trying to move towards making a record and trying to get funding
2: did you find that you when you had your son and at a certain point did you find you were actually singing more every day than you might have normally
3: that's interesting
2: my son like i i sing to my kids every day right every single day nice i'm I'm not a singer yeah but i but I, I actually am practicing. I'm not practicing. I mean, I don't mean to be, but I'm just singing so much that I think I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm actually getting a little better. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, I'm just doing it literally every day for lullabies, for sleepy time. Sure. And my kid and I, my son and I are making up songs exactly. all the time. Did you have that? Oh, yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah. I think I just, I just started fooling around a lot more again, too, you know? Having it's fun. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've always liked to have fun. Definitely. <laughs> um, but there's, I mean, uh, having a child, you know, invites you, if you want to, to, to play. Um, and to, to, get, to get, you know, just to sort of, I don't know, enter into the imagination and make, sort of take that a little further.
2: Yeah. And did know? that, so, I mean, 10 years since your last record and your son is how old again? 12. 10? 12. So that is close to the same trajectory between records. Yes. Has motherhood, has raising your son informed this record into her future?
3: Oh, yes. Um, I mean, these songs, uh, they're not autobiographical songs. That's not really how I write. It's not like confessional writing or anything. But I would say sometimes in imagining a listener or, you know, it would be my son... Um, and I think it's, you know, being a mother and things that I have been through, um, since he's been alive made me contemplate love a lot and what love is. I I feel like it's been a, I've been schooled again on what love is or being a mother has blown apart many ideas I've had about love and, um, there is no love, like the love uh, you feel, I think, for uh, a child. And... Um, but it's just taught me so much about myself, I guess, perspectives. And, um, well, I'm really lucky that I have an incredible kid. You know, he's, he's smart. I think we're just lucky that we have brilliant communication with each other. Um, and... I don't know. I just feel lucky. I have a really healthy child. I can't fixate too much on uh, what the context is in that way. Sure, sure. Um,
2: Yeah. You just feel lucky.
3: I do. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I feel lucky because this sandwich is amazing. I don't know if you've had a CSI sandwich. (laughs) I haven't. It's really wonderful.
3: Well, I might just have to after this.
2: (laughs) First time I ever encountered you uh, as a younger person. Uh, or in my lifetime was on the television. Oh, really? I think so. It must have been. I don't see how else it could have happened. I think you were in a music video with your band Crash Vegas. Okay. And it was probably. I guess it was probably inside. What was your first video?
3: What was the first video Do you remember for it? Crash Vegas? Uh, probably Inside Out.
2: It was right. Yeah. yeah. And that was a. That was a. By mass- a tree. <laughs> that was a massive song. It was very big for us. It was big, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing it, and then the first time I saw you.
3: I remember someone coming in. My dad had a store, and I'd been working there. And someone came in and said, "I keep hearing that damn song of yours." <laughs> like, okay, I'm happy for you, but do I have to keep hearing it? And I was like, I had this mixed reaction. Like, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing?
2: Well, it was a big. That band was uh, a big band. It seemed when I. So, what, what year was that? That song was to come we had out a in '92. Canadian
3: 90, moment. '92 was it? Uh, That record came out in '90.
2: '90. Okay, so I would have started, and I watched much music. Uh, If I have a surrogate parent, it's the television. Like I watched a lot of TV, and uh, I remember being really struck by it. And then I had the occasion to actually see you guys on the another roadside attraction tour that the Tragically Hip organized. So I had this, I've had this long relationship with you and your work, and probably a formative one. Like here, uh, it's just it was a magical time. For me, as a former, like, you know, I was 13, 12, 13 years old, 14, seeing a band. Yes. It was a big experience for me. What can you t- say about Crash Vegas? What, how did that band come together and who was in it? Uh, can you talk a little bit about it?
3: Um, well, who was in it? Uh, initially, originally, it was a band that uh, Greg Keeler, who's in Blue Rodeo, and I formed. And uh, initially, there was Greg, myself, a uh, fabulous drummer, Ambrose Potty. Um, and Jocelyn Lanois, um, as a bass player, and then, with the demands of greg 's other band uh, we I was then introduced to Colin Cripps, who also came from Hamilton, which is where Jocelyn was from, and
2: is Jocelyn one of the Lanois? she is yeah, okay, yep, Daniel and Bob and yes, jocelyn that 's right siblings yes, okay, yep. okay.
3: and um, so then it was Colin and Jocelyn and Ambrose and myself, and then eventually it changed again, and we had another bass player, Darren Watson, and then there was... Finally, there was Eric Cheneau and Gavin Brown as the touring version of that band. That was the last incarnation Your, of that the band. The touring
2: version of Crash Vegas <laughs> at some point included members of Fled Camp? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's weird.
3: It was fun. <laughs> it was great. Was it an
2: aggro version of the band?
3: No, it was... I mean... You know, I've also, like, g- no, no, I mean, Gavin...
2: Flight like Camp were, uh, like, a yes. post-hardcore... But did you ever see Life Like Weeds? No, I never saw Life oh, Like Weeds. Oh, it's
3: beautiful. And yeah. also, Gavin and Eric, like, hugely influenced by jazz. Like, yeah, no, no, no. They have such that wide, That was the beauty of post... Beautiful.
2: That's what post-hardcore was. Yeah. Post-hardcore and hip-hop, to me, are kind of similar in that they absorb everything. Yeah.
4: Exactly. And come
2: out, you know. There's. It can be groove oriented. It can be very harsh. It can be uncompromising. It can be accessible. I. I think that's why I gravitate towards those musical forms because yes. they're so open. And yes, that's
3: nice. Yeah. So,
2: so, so the band. That's amazing. I didn't know that Eric and Gavin would have been in that version of the band. Is that and it stopped? Here's in-
3: live footage. Actually, I think someone oh. like from Much Music. were playing a song, and there you can see. There's this live. I think it's a song called. Faith or something. Oh, okay. But yeah, th- so th- that was the last version of the band, and... Um, Why did it end? You know, I think it was just, it was time. I think for me, there was, I just, I, I felt like we'd been through, we'd been with a few major labels, and... Um, you know, had a lot of amazing experiences we were really fortunate that we uh, were asked to tour with some fantastic bands who just really liked us you know and what a privilege it was just great uh, to like the Tragically Hip or Radiohead like there was just a lot of oh. wonderful opportunities to play and be around great musicians and stuff and then but I'd say that the business part started to grate
2: on me. What year would this have been when it sort of wrapped up?
3: 95? Um, oh, okay. 96? Maybe oh, 96.
2: You're around five, six years. Yes. Wow.
3: 96, 97. I'm forgetting. Okay, But, that's fine. but around there. Um, maybe 97, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my chronology. No, no, no. I'm right sorry. I, so, you probably weren't expecting um, to remember all of these things. No, it's funny. I think it's like, why don't I remember these things? Um, and so it just... You know, I th- I just wanted to step away because I was, I think instinctively, I just knew I needed to
2: um, feel more enjoyment uh, through what I was doing. Were you insulated from the business aspects up to that point? Is that what happened? Like someone else was dealing with everything?
3: Well, yes and no. I mean, it was kind of the the paradigm in some ways, you know, like... 've you've, you've got your managers and your agents and you've got your record companies, and it's not that we didn't know we knew, but it's also it was very hard it's not like i mean i didn't want to take on all that business stuff, especially when you're touring, and we were touring a lot and you um, know I think that you know you at least at my experience anyways working with some of those labels, and we met some fantastic people at the sure, labels, sure. but there was also. uh, culture there, where suddenly you're working with someone who you trust and you think really understands what you're doing, and then they're fired or they're gone. So now you're introduced to someone else, and maybe this person isn't as invested. That was in the, you, and
2: that was a strange offshoot of the feeding frenzy of major labels, yes. where they would hire someone because they thought they were connected to the underground or whatever. Yes, and they would bring them in, and then if the things they brought in weren't making the money, they just That's right. jettison the person. That's right. It's so weird.
3: That's right, and I think. You know, that it just it was it was a hard thing to bear after a while and always being referred to as product. I mean, it's just it's a tired old kind of story of just working for the corporation as a musician. And, you know, uh, I don't know that it's
2: a tired story. I think it's no,
3: maybe mm. not. Maybe it's.
2: I think it needs to be told. I, I, I'm, certainly, I think it helps younger... I mean, I don't know. I don't think younger artists rely on those structures anymore.
3: I, I don't either. I mean, I like... And you don't either. No. I mean, I. although sometimes as I... I, I feel like in many ways I don't know what the hell is going on with music business. <laughs> um, but when I do... I do hear some things occasionally that remind me that maybe not as much has changed as I'd like to think.
2: What kinds of things are you referring well, to? just,
3: you know, someone was whispering into my ear about the amount of payola involved uh-huh. in certain areas uh, of, you know, whether it's radio stuff or live playing and shows. I don't know how true that is, but it's sad to hear that. Um,
2: well, there's a definitely been a kind of uproar about how granting is Oh, there's actually that. Conduct, <laughs> conducted. And mm. then you talk about Paola. Yeah, there's a lot of questions about where money comes from and where it goes. Yes, and
3: who gets funded. But I think
2: that's healthy. I mean, I think it's great that people are talking about those things. But I think that, <clears throat> unfortunately, in this country, because the cultural community is relatively small, it's very difficult to be outspoken without being um, ostracized. Right. And and, bite in the
3: hand that feeds you. Yeah.
2: And and, I mean, (laughs) everyone knows everyone and everyone's connected. And it's very difficult to be critical uh, and honest. And it's something that I struggle with, too. You know, I mean, people are constantly asking you for your opinion about something. And for the sake of diplomacy, sometimes you don't you're not as honest about something as you would be.
3: Do you think that's a Canadian thing?
2: No, I think that's, no. A, that's a that's an offshoot of civil discourse. I mean, that's just you the think way so? it, I think so. But I do think that we are, uh, at least we most of us like to think of ourselves as polite and uh, amenable, and you know, like not hope, hoping not to offend. On some level, you know, we're relatively inoffensive people, I think. But that lack of that lack of uh, backbone. <laughs> sometimes means that people get away with lots of stuff. Yes. It's what you're talking about. Like payola and, and and money streams, financial streams and why are the the benefactors of so much money the ones who already have money, you know? Yes. Haves have have not stuff. And I mean you put out a record like this one, it's gorgeous. It's a lovely. Oh, thank you. It should be it should be talked about all over the place for whatever reason. I, I gather you've done it relatively modestly, you know?
3: I I mean, it seems like a very extravagant project to me. Um, you
2: hired a publicist. You have a yes.
3: I have a great label who hired a publicist, and also Greg Keeler, who produced the record, just yeah. believed in you know the material and was yeah. excited by it, and just supported the whole thing. I
2: so. want to ask you. Uh, we've kind of gone on a weird business tangent, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not weird. Again, I think it's important to talk. Well, about Well, it is these right.
3: I mean, it's, it's funny when money becomes you know the dirty word, and yet it is. As much as I, you know, hope that we can have a kind of Marxist approach to what we're doing, that we don't live in that kind of culture.
2: But your perspective to me is crucial because over a 25-year public life, at least, you have gone through the major label system. I think that when you, when Crash Vegas ended, the next time I heard your name, you seemed to be part of an underground Toronto music community, the rat-drifting right. crowd with Eric. You, you maintained a relationship with Eric Cheneau, and then yes. you were making... I would say a music that still to me had a, a a pop sensibility, but you were seemed quite keen about more ambient sounds, more I hate using the term experimental. Yes. It's stupid, but <laughs> but you did seem to be know. W- hoping to push pop a little bit. And and, and then now I'd say you've with Greg, you made this record with Greg Keeler as yes. well. So you've kind of come I don't know if it's a full circle moment. Did you work with Greg in that time? Um,
3: um, well we, we've never worked in exactly this way though there's something we've definitely you know early Crash Vegas we would sit and work those songs yeah. and work on arrangements so in that way where it's
2: a full circle and, and he like he left Crash Vegas because of Blue Rodeo commitments that's right. yeah, but then you exactly. never really collaborated this way
3: no no we have inter- then. That,
2: that's interesting <laughs> that's like that says something about you I think anytime I don't think that that's a coincidence I think you are probably at a point, a kind of point zero. Is that right? Like your circle, the circle. Interesting. Do you think you're back at the beginning? I wonder. What could this mean? Having accrued all this wisdom and experience, (laughs) you're kind of starting over. And you've made a really, like this is a record that I think any of these songs could be on the radio just fine. Wow.
3: Radio. I love radio.
2: But there's payola. (laughs)
3: <laughs> or maybe I could just pick up some beautiful birch <laughs> stems over there and I yeah. could go into the radio this station. I could gift them with red bows and, yeah.
2: Esoteric. Gourds. Pop-up market as yeah. opposed to esoteric gift pop cards. music. Yeah, yeah. Um, what has this relationship like with Greg been like for you? I mean, do you were you in touch this whole time over the last...
3: We have. We, we, we're super close friends. Um, and... Yeah, we're very, very close friends. There's kind of a... It almost feels family-like at times. Um, He's somebody I trust. You know, I I think, uh, going back to your initial question of, like, why did you leave Crash Vegas or anything, I think I needed to go off and just, you know, experiment. Yeah. um, Find... Just yeah, try out some things without feeling confined, or with a deadline, or having knowing that someone at the other end was going to listen to it and go, no, nah, I need to hear, a you single. know, a single. You know, it's just like no, I, I don't want. That's not how I listen to music. It's not how I make it. I no, yeah. I can't. Yeah. And I don't even respect your choices so how can i have you, you know, <laughs> right some business executive apart. or whatever yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and how many painters get told to put more blue in the corner because you yeah know,
2: it's a weird well i guess it has to do with <laughs> saleability i mean most
3: right and that's that's a strange uh, for me that's never worked i mean maybe for some people it, it does work but it, it it's not how i can write i i sometimes i wish i could you know maybe that would be a uh, well, be maybe lucrative, but um, yeah. So I think it's been important to go off and play with different people, and for me, uh, that's how I learn too. That's how I find out things about making music um, is through spending time playing with other people, listening to music, and. Um, and then coming back to Greg, like we've both been investigating different things, but still staying in touch. So I think it no. was just a really good time. And, you know, I've had this obsession going on with this British Isles folk rock thing. And, and going back to that stuff I was making with Eric Chano or like rat drifting, that stuff just was looser. It was, it involved improvisation. Yeah. So instead of yeah. having strict arrangements they were more open, yet the melodies were there. It's like, here's the tune. It's yes. not like I'm going to yes. make the tune up completely on the spot. Right. But with this record, it was important. I wanted, it, for me, it was very much about melody. Like, I want these specific melodies. Not that people weren't free to bring in No, but this ideas. is structured. Like, this is
2: quite a very structured much. experience. Listening and Greg experience. heard
3: that. You know, he's like, I get it, you know, and it's like, Fairport, Conve-, you know, I was sort of using <laughs> these other bands as touchdowns, like Fairport Convention, and and he heard that and saw that, and uh, so it was just, it was good timing
2: for both of us, did really. He, did he help craft the songs, per se?
3: Well, in a way, I mean, they were written, really, most of them, except for maybe one where we kind of worked on it more together, but um, it definitely was some of them, I think he would, you know, he, he would... You know, encouraged me to pick tempos up with a couple of them because I do tend to like the kind of language approach, mm-hmm. even though I love fast rock music. <laughs> um, uh, and he was also instrumental with some arrangement ideas. Yeah, definitely. OK, yeah. So
2: it's a full it's a really a collabor. You cite him as a collaborator. In this. I
3: do. I mean, yeah, for sure. OK.
2: Yeah. And, and who do no. you have in your band? Do you have a solid band?
3: Um. I would say to a degree, um, I mean, there's been two people that have been there, and I'm so grateful, and they play on the record, all over the record, which is uh, James McKenty. He also was the engineer of the record. He's the recordist.
2: Was he based in uh,
0: Peterborough?
3: He is. Yeah, yeah. And he had been in a band called The Spades, yeah. which I didn't know anything about when I met him, um, but have, of course, learned more about them. And so he's playing live with me. And he's just a very talented mm-hmm. musician, really incredible, and very supportive in the way he plays and listens, and it's a right. real pleasure to get to work with him. Um, and then the other person would be Chris Altman, who's playing pedal steel, but he plays guitar, bass, piano, all of which he plays on this record. Nice. And um, so, and he comes from Australia, and he's a phenomenal player, and again, just a sweetheart to... Uh, play with. And then right now, there's been a couple different bass players and drummers coming in, so... Um,
2: but you want to make... You're trying to make a go of this, so to speak. You're you're trying. You're willing to tour. You're willing to go and play. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Exactly. <laughs> and uh, with all my children on my back in <laughs> a bus. Uh, no, I only have one. But um, yeah, I would love to go and tour yeah. and play. Um, how possible that will be, I don't know yet. And... Um, but, it, but, you know, it, it's funny with this record because it is such a full sound. It's a band record, yeah. It is. And so it's so much fun to present it like that because it's just so great playing with the band.
2: But it's expensive to present it, it like be, that. It can be, yeah, for
3: sure. And uh, and I think it's nice to be able to do that for people who hear the record. That said, I know the, sto- the songs can stand, you know, pared down. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, I guess. What opportunities come uh, to play.
2: Okay, so that's a little look into your future, about into her her future.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The future is now.
2: Did you draw from a lot of songs to make this record? Did you have a catalog of stuff that you'd been accumulating over the past decade or was this a, a, a sudden outburst of creativity?
3: I'd say a bit of both. There's definitely been a, an accumulation of songs, um, and there was a couple that I felt strongly were fit in with the body of work. But mm-hmm. definitely, some were just coming and right. coming, and that's that always happens too for me too. Like I'll be writing and writing, think I got a record here, it is, it's great. But then as I start working on it, there's always these things that yeah, yeah, just through earth, I don't know why it's and great. they may
2: not have a home in what you're working on, but.
3: Yeah, or they seem to just be very connected, and yeah. so then you include one or
2: two. So does this stand? To, does it stand to reason that you may have more songs ready for towards another record? Or I do.
3: Um, I mean, yeah, I think that's it's it's exciting to always be writing um that rhymes
2: that's a song lyric right there (laughs) it's exciting to always be writing
3: it's exciting to always be writing (laughs) oh my god uh it's this market it's doing things (laughs) to me yeah um yes a little hokey in here yeah there
2: is that woman sketching you what who is she sketching
3: i think she's sketching you
2: no no who are you excuse me who are you sketching right now Nobody? That's just a random sketch? <laughs> this okay. woman looked so I shocked. I was hoping you were sketching us. That doesn't... No, no. That's okay. Vish wanted...
3: Little, <laughs> and then she looked at her like, no. A little
2: hubris on my part. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. I've always wanted to be sketched, but it never one happens. One of those cartoons. <laughs> sketches. Never happens. Yeah, no why one. not? Yeah, where my head is gigantic <laughs> and I have a little body like a bobblehead. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, you were uh, you were saying something.
3: Oh, you were just talking about new songs. Um, yep, there's new songs and... Hopefully, I'm not gonna let it go so long.
2: Are you gonna try to like? Are you are you kind of like in a moment where uh, a position where you're trying to feel out how this is gonna go? You know, you've got this record. There's been a bit of you've gotten really nice reviews, right?
3: Um, we're getting some good reviews. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think People there's, are a, there's it. a couple of them coming out. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you're
2: hoping for radio. You're just you want it. to, you, you hope it resonates like anyone would.
3: Well, sure. I mean, that's that's a very satisfying. I mean, that's something I think I wrestle with. You know, it's like to to make music and some people say well why why do you need to put it out i remember having this Mm. conversation with a woman who i just met and she was an older woman and she said would you be satisfied she asked me just doing your music at home and i realized that um i still feel this need to want to
2: communicate it share
3: it yeah outside of my living space music
2: is a conversation
3: I think so. Uh, it absolutely is. There's I no, think so. There's no way
2: of looking at it in this way. I mean, some people are like, "I don't care what people think of it," but at the same yes. time, that suggests that inherently that's like expecting some kind of reception for what you're doing. Yeah, be ashamed to make something, and not even a shame. It's just that's if you're making something and putting it up even on your website, you're communicating. I wish it was
3: valued more.
2: Music generally.
3: I do. I mean, because I think in some ways it is. V- Valued like uh, most people I sp- speak to or see, like you see people listening to music all the time. I think a lot of people would cite music as being important. Yeah. Um, although I wish that it was valued in a way that artists could thrive from being. We you seem know, to be going in art.
2: the exact opposite direction of exactly. that. Exactly. Even with all of the streaming stuff, and it's really about ease of use and convenience for the. Consumer and very little regard for the musician. So that's not good.
3: No, it isn't. So, you know, can, you know, when you ask it to test how it works or can I keep doing this? I don't know. I'd love to think I can because it's something I love to do and I you know feel like I need to do it, but can I thrive? Can anybody thrive doing it? Um, but this, it'd this, be nice to think that we could. Person this person could.
2: Maybe speaks to what I was saying earlier about an artistic impulse versus. Necessity, or, or, or rather the necessity of an artistic impulse. I do have a feeling like that woman was asking, would you just be satisfied? Maybe you wouldn't be satisfied as much, but you probably are always making stuff, right? You're always coming up with lyric fragments and melodies, right? Yes. I mean, fair to say.
3: Yes, I think that's fair to
2: say. So there's not really a way to stifle that. I've kind of come to the conclusion that very few people can retire right. once they've been making stuff for a long time. They're always secretly, quietly ruminating and making stuff. Whether they want to or not. That's just maybe how their minds were. So you're doomed to do this <laughs> yes. forever, is my point.
3: Yes. I'm doomed to do it. I think really for me too it's it's about enjoying doing it. Yes. And and that was also after experiences with Crash Vegas and the business part of it where that seemed to dominate the conversation more than the enjoyment. And that was just a matter of realizing, oh, some things are out of balance here. How do you, yeah, how can you rejig that to or or change the conversation? I'm not sure, but yeah. how can I be engaged in making music that feels uh, like it's vital to me and it's you know not super compromised? But I don't know. I don't know how people do it now. And
2: I feel like not. I feel like the some of the questions we've raised here are not things that have they're not questions with answers right now no we're in a bit of an unknown and I think that you the people that are making things are making them because they have to make them I guess that's my underlying point and I feel like I know you I don't know you very well but I have a feeling that you're a person that makes stuff because you want to make it and you're not you don't have a particularly certainly you don't have a nefarious objective or you're not concerned about Ooh, I don't know. You're obviously not doing it to make money necessarily, but it would be nice. <laughs> what? Sorry, not obviously. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that might have been kidding. a bit uh, disrespectful. But uh, you no. you seem to be doing it because you need to do it. And I think that's healthy on some level. Some people might view it as some form of delusion uh, for people like us who are just making stuff. But I think you, we make stuff because we make stuff. And yes. uh, I'm very glad that you made this. Well, thanks. It's really fantastic. And I hope that people check it out. Where can people learn more about your record and... Tours um, and all that stuff. That's uh,
3: there's a there's a web page right now because a website is being developed, you okay. know, built. Sure. Um, although it's going to be very simple, but you can go to yes, com. There's a Facebook yep. uh, page site, okay. whatever it is. That's about it right now. People can uh, buy
2: the record there and stuff?
3: You can buy the record there. There's some buy links, and hopefully it's in some local record stores. Yeah. Uh, the record is being distributed by Fab. Oh, good. And Did you
2: press it on vinyl and stuff?
3: There, yes, okay. we have vinyl. It's not actually... It hasn't arrived yet.
2: Oh, okay. I was, gonna, um, I was gonna say, maybe I'll go pick up a copy. The right delay
3: now. with vinyl um, oh, is right. kind of infamous at this point, yes. but very excited for the vinyl. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But it, it just isn't quite ready
2: yet. Well, on but my soon, I was streaming it off a streaming service uh, on on my way to meet you. So there's fifteen cents right there. Oh, it's that's coming good. your way. Good for you. Is there a song <laughs> from Into Our Future that we can play right now for people? Is there something that you would select?
3: Well, there would be. Uh, I would say, should it be a shorter one? It doesn't or matter. Anything you want. How about Culvert Jack?
2: Culvert Jack. I was just listening to that song, I think, when I turned off my car. And is this based on a character? Or what is Culvert Jack? Where does that come from? Um,
3: Culvert Jack, uh, most of that lyric came from my great uncle, who was a poet. Uh, living in the Ottawa Valley in the early 20th century time, l- working laying track, oh. railway track. Um, and so I was gifted uh, a lot of his writing. And it's incredible writing, and I, I must use more of it. And so.
2: Is this your biological un- uncle? No. Oh, I see. Okay. My okay.
3: adopted family. Sure, but sure, I prefer to those people no, no, as my people. I apologize for Even though I'm one it. of... I, you I, know what? Macadori means, too. It means son of a stranger. So I think really? I ended up in the right family. <laughs> I got the right name. Um, and so uh, it, it's my great uncle's writing. And uh, so I adapted this one piece of his oh. into that song. I added some lyrics, but uh Yeah. So, and it's, it's about him writing, I guess, about a friend of his who drops dead while they're working. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's we're a gonna, beautiful... we going to end there. on that
2: note? you want to yeah. end on a <laughs> death, well, really? Well, death okay. is
3: part of the whole sequence, you know, from Earth and we return to the Earth. Sure. So,
2: um, heavy, that's heavy stuff. Fear step. it's not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is Culvert Jack by Michelle McAdory. Michelle, thank you so much for being on this show and, and best of luck with your future.
3: Well, such a pleasure. Thanks a lot for talking.
4: Old Culver Jack is dead As a man can be, there isn't a flower, nor a hour, nor a friend this side of the sea.
2: Talented Michelle McAdory there With a, a song called Culver Jack That is from the record we were discussing Into her future Thanks to Michelle again for being on the show This show is called Creative Control of Vishkana It's available in case you don't know On iTunes, Audioboom.com Vishkana.com And actually sometimes When I'm uh, depressed At night I will google the show You know just to be like Is anybody talking about the show And, man, that's a bad idea. Because some people are talking about the show, and it's not good. But I also noticed that a bunch of other things seem to be distributing my show, and I didn't even know. Pod Bay, and... They all sound like they're from outer space. Anyway, the show is all over the place, apparently, and I didn't even know it. But I advise you to go to iTunes, audioboom.com, Vishkana.com. The show is there. Patreon.com. You can make a flexible monthly donation to the show... At Patreon.com, just look it up, and uh, thanks to uh, we had some new uh, people who pledged. Steve Jordan and Tim Lidster just pledged money. Thanks, guys, much appreciated. And uh, once again, it's flexible. It's uh, you can you can adjust it. You can you can adjust it so that if you had pledged eight dollars a month, like say Samir Khan, you can adjust it so instead you're only given four dollars a month, and that's fine, Samir Khan. You can do that, Samir Khan, my friend why not you can do that that's how flexible it is patreon.com creative control of vishkana is on facebook we have a nice facebook page and sometimes extraneous stuff things that that are mentioned you know stuff that's mentioned on the show gets put there by me it'd be nice if people had discussions about the show but no one a couple times not really it's fine and on twitter at vishcreative creative with a k A version of the show exists on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time. But you can listen to it anywhere in the world at CFRU.ca. Lots of great stuff coming up on the show in the next few weeks. I had a really cool conversation with uh, uh, Jeremy of the band Junior Boys today. And so at some point soon I'll be posting that and other plans are in the works for some fun stuff so keep on listening to all that stuff okay i'll talk to you very soon goodbye for now